It's been a wild past few days around the Big East, and not just in men's basketball, where UConn, after starting 14-0, have now lost back-to-back games, but there were multiple ranked teams on the women's side who were upset by non-ranked teams. I'll recap all of that and more here on episode 37 of season 4 of the coolest podcast in all the college basketball, The Igloo. So, I mean, let's just get right into it. So, Tuesday night, you had Marquette and St. John's from Carneseca. And St. John's was scorching hot in the first half. They led 48-41, shooting over 60% from the floor. And then St. John's, they gave up 55 second-half points. St. John's is, you know, as much as I give Georgetown crap for being a bad defensive team, if you thought Georgetown's defense was bad, St. John's is even worse. Case in point, they gave up 88 points to Seton Hall in their last game. And Seton Hall's probably statistically the worst offensive team in the conference. More on them in a second. But Marquette, they start the second half on a 16-2 run to turn a 7-point deficit into a 7-point lead. And that was in the span of three three and a half minutes. And St. John's just, they couldn't answer back. And Marquette, they end up winning by 11, 96-85 the final. They get 55 second half points for the Golden Eagles. 29 points to lead the way for Omax Prosper, career night for the sophomore. 9 of 13 from the floor, 4 for 5 from deep, 7 rebounds. 16 for Cam Jones on 6 of 10 shooting and 4 of 8 from behind the arc. Tyler Kolek with a double-digit game. 14 points, 8 assists on 4 of 8 shooting and 6 of 6 from the free throw line. 11 for Stevie Mitchell. Oshui Godaro, 8, 4, and 4 on 4 of 5 shooting. And the bench was a big difference maker for Marquette. 18 bench points. Half of them exactly came from David Joplin. 9 points, 5 boards in 18 minutes. 4 of 10 from the field and 1 of 4 from behind the arc. Sean Jones with 4 points off from the charity stripe. 3 points in 16 minutes for Chase Ross. And 2 points in 7 minutes from Ben Gold. And Marquette, 10 three-pointers on the night. And they shot 53% from the field. St. John's was still pretty good. 8 of 17 from deep, that's 47%. And 51.5% overall. But Marquette got to the free throw line more. And they were better. 20 of 26 compared to just 9 for 14 for the Johnnies. And St. John's loses again despite another double-double and a monstrous game from the clear front runner right now for the most improved player in the league, Joel Soriano. 22 points, 13 rebounds, 10 of 17 from the field, and also was 2 for 2 from the free throw line, but he did foul out. And Dylan today, Wusu, who got the start, 
over uh, Andre Curbelo in this case compared to the last game because Curbelo was suspended for, quote, not adhering to team rules. Ade Wusu had 21 points, three boards, and five assists, eight of 12 from the floor, and a very uncharacteristic in a good way, three of five from behind the arc. David Jones with 13 points, but he's a volume shooter, and he just hasn't been great overall. Five of 16 from the field, two of four from deep. He's been much better from three than he has been inside the arc, which is like an anomaly. Pasha Alexander came off the bench and scored 11 points on 4 of 7 shooting, 2 for 4 from behind the arc. But here's the thing. He got off to a really hot start and then he fizzled out. I mean, still 4 boards, 5 assists is decent. Montez Mathis continues to struggle, just 5 points. 4 points in 15 minutes from Omar Stanley. They also got 4 points from Isaiah Niwe, excuse me, in 20 minutes. AJ Store knocked down to 3 in 17 minutes and then they got 2 points. From Dresa Triore. So St. John's is now one and four in the league. Marquette up to four and one. Meanwhile, Seton Hall, they fell to one and four against a red hot Creighton team. They've now won three in a row, granted, all of which have been at home in Omaha, and they do so in dominant fashion. Seton Hall led seven to four just over Five minutes into this game. And then it was all Creighton after that. Blue Jays led by as many as 32. And because they called off the dogs. In the final. Few minutes. Trying to find where their biggest lead was. I mean 65 to 33 at one point. Like Jesus. 65-33 with. 10 minutes left, basically. And it was 21 at the break. 43-22. 83-61 the final. Ryan Kalkbrenner, who has struggled historically against Seton Hall. 17 points, 8 rebounds on 7 of 9 shooting. 6 block shots. 15 for Trey Alexander. 5 for 10 from the floor. 2 of 5 from behind the arc. 2 boards, 6 assists. 14 each from Arthur Kaluma and Ryan Nemhard. Kaluma with a double-double as he grabbed 11 rebounds. 5 for 9 from the floor, 2 of 3 from behind the arc. Nemhard, 5 for 9 from the floor, 2 of 4 from deep, 5 assists. Baylor Shireman only had 6 points, all from behind the arc, 3 boards and 5 assists. Uh, The bench, though, was really good. 17 total bench points, 7 from Sharif Mitchell in 16 minutes. Mason Miller knocked down a couple threes in the first half to finish with six points, and then two points each from Frederick King and Francisco Farabeo. And Creighton, phenomenal shooting night. Just over, almost 51% from the field, and 11 of 27 from deep, and they hold Seton Hall to under 40% from the field, and just 5 of 19 from behind the arc. And... Nick Bob pointed out on the broadcast, Creighton was in the top five nationally in terms of fewest fouls drawn per game. And Seton Hall was one of the nation, was among the nation's leaders in free throw attempts per game. 
And some had to give, I think it was somewhere in the middle, where Seton Hall got 14 free throws, and it's been well documented how bad they've been for the free throw line this year. They were 12 of 14, so more improvement. Creighton was 14 of 17. And leading the way for the Pirates, Femi Odukale with 16 points, 7 of 11 from the floor, 2 of 2 from deep. Only other Pirate in double figures was Trey Jackson with 11 points, 4 of 8 from the floor, and 1 of 3 from behind the arc. The bench was decent in this game for Seton Hall. 27 bench points. They also got 6 points from Dre Davis off the bench and 5 rebounds. 4 points for Jameer Harris on 1 of 7 shooting. I mean, he just continues to just struggle. And I'm pretty sure he hasn't made a 3-pointer in like at least 4 games. Yeah, and I'm correct. He has gone in his last four games to combine 0 for 12 from behind the arc. And if you really want to go back, I mean, let's talk about since the Siena game where he really started to have the yips. And I'm doing the math in my head right here. He's 3 of 36 from behind the arc since that Siena game. Or if you want to include the Siena game when he got the yips, 3 for 39. And then inside the arc, and then overall, I mean, his numbers are hideous. And, I mean, he's only had two made field goals in his last four games, which is yeesh. He is a combined 11 of 57 from the floor, 3 of 39 from behind the arc. I mean, ugh. Anyways, Tay Davis with three points off on the free throw line, and then Jaquan Sanders, who had a DNP against St. John's for some reason, he knocked down a three in 15 minutes. Meanwhile, Tyree Samuel, nine points, six rebounds on three of seven shooting, and three of four from the free throw line. Uh, five points only from Al Dawes, two of four from the floor, and one of two from deep. And then Kadari Richmond with his first real bad game of conference play, Four points and a couple rebounds on two of seven shooting in 17 minutes. And trying to find like his game log. I think that's his first real bad game. And by the way, Casey and Defo was held scoreless and only had one block total. Now on Wednesday, the struggles continue for Georgetown. I mean, tied 35 at the break. Like, okay, they have a fighting chance, especially after Brandon Murray absolutely posterized Jordan Longino in the first half. I mean, one of the nastiest duck faces, if not the nastiest duck face I've ever seen in this new Big East. But it was all Nova in the second half as they outscored Georgetown 38-22 en route to a 73-57 win. And that is a new Biggie's record for longest losing streak. 25 consecutive games. Which is now the longest regular season conference losing streak in the history of the league. In their in their, its 44-year history. Caleb Daniels with 20 points 
6 of 15 overall, 6 of 13 from behind the arc, 14 each from Brandon Slater and Mark Armstrong, the latter of which did it off the bench as Cam Whitmore got the start. And Armstrong was really good. Again, 4 of 9 from the floor in 27 minutes, 6 of 6 from the charity stripe. And Slater was 3 of 5 from the floor, 2 of 3 from behind the arc. And Villanova, by the way, a perfect 18 of 18 from the free throw line. 10 from Eric Dixon on 5 of 8 shooting, 8 rebounds. 8 points, 7 boards from Cam Whitmore, who kind of struggled from the field at 4 for 11. They got a 3 from Jordan Longino in 11 minutes. And then 2 each from uh, Chris Archidiacono, all from the free throw line. Didn't even take a... A single shot attempt. He had two free throws. Five rebounds and a couple assists. And then uh, Trey Patterson um, got a couple of free throws in this game as well. Looking at the numbers, Villanova much better from the floor at 42.6%. Georgetown, 35.6%. And the Hoyas were just 4 of 20 from deep. Villanova, 9 of 27. And for Georgetown... A dozen off the bench to lead the way for Jordan Riley. 4 of 10 from the field. 11 points and 10 boards. A double-double for a cook a cook. 5 for 9 from the floor. 1 of 3 from deep. 9 points for Brandon Murray. 8 from Primo Spears. His struggles continue. 3 boards, 9 assists. 3 for 12 from the field. 1 of 3 from behind the arc. Bryson Mozone getting the start now in place of... Jay Heath, he knocked down a couple threes in 18 minutes. Caduce Wahab, five points in 17 minutes. And then uh, the rest of the bench, uh, Bradley Ezawiro with five points in 13 minutes. And they got a free throw from Malcolm Wilson, who, again, I remind you, was a manager for the team and was activated to the roster right before Biggie's play in the wake of uh, Dante Harris transferring. And I don't blame Georgetown fans one bit now for how pissed they are, especially after what Patrick Ewing said in his postgame presser. Um, he sounded defiant. Not saying he was, he sounded defiant in terms of... Um, not really being willing to step down as the head coach for the betterment of the team. I mean, they've set history. They set history on Wednesday. And not in a good way. In terms of futility, they made history. And it's either change will come if Ewing is no longer on the sidelines, or he's got to find whatever worked in 2021 to win the Big East Tournament title. He's got to find that again. I mean, I give him credit. They played much better defensively against Nova, but man, they got a lot of work to do. And in order to really change their circumstances, I mean... At this point, Georgetown fans, at least for the most part, I think their goal is if we win a conference game, that'll shut me up for a little while. But still, it's just a sad record of futility now for Georgetown. 
under Patrick Ewing. I mean, something's got to change. Something's got to give. Either they have to improve, like he's got to improve as a coach, he's got to get more out of his players, or they need to make a change and move on from him. And the thing is, Patrick Ewing is their greatest player of all time in their program's history. With all of the greats, including Matumbo, Morning, Iverson. He's clearly their best. And they don't want a messy divorce. At this point, no one does because of the relationship and how much Georgetown fans adore Ewing the player. And it's 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 like Jekyll and Hyde with how much they despise him as a head coach. Especially after what he said last on Wednesday night. Meanwhile, Providence remained unbeaten as they downed UConn, the number four team in the country, 73-61. They are now 5-0 in conference, and they've now won eight in a row. Or am I wrong on that? Yeah, eight in a row. I was right. And they did, They got a big first half run to take the lead going into the locker room at 33-30. And the big runs they went on in the second half, I mean, granted, I know what was happening with, you know, the, the court just being a mess. It was a warm January day. And the court, obviously, at the AMP because of that, was shit. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But Providence just played better in this game and they had the bit the best individual performance as Providence pulls the upset 73-61 again as UConn now loses their second straight game after a 14-0 start. Bryce Hopkins fouled out, but not before a 27-point outing, 6 for 12 from the floor and a perfect 2 of 2 from deep. 13 of 15 from the charity excuse me, for the char- from the charity stripe as I get the hiccups. And then Noah Locke came alive. 17 points, 6 of 11 from the floor, 3 for 6 from deep, including a dagger in the final 4 minutes. Devin Carter, 11 points in 30 minutes. Ed Croswell, 13 and 13, a double-double for the senior. 9 of 10 from the charity stripe, too. Uh, Jared Bynum logged only 9 minutes in this one, and Alan Breed had to make up the bulk of those minutes coming off the bench in 30 minutes. Two points, six boards, and three assists. One of five from the floor. And then Corey Floyd Jr., who really hasn't seen the court much this year. But, I mean, let's be real. I mean, going up against UConn, they, I wouldn't be shocked. You know, like, he's going to be juiced up. Put him in the game. Let's see what happens. Knocked down his only shot of the game, which was a three in 11 minutes. Looking at the numbers, I mean, UConn kind of shot themselves in the foot. 10 of 19 for the charity stripe. I mean, I won't blame their fans for not being happy with the foul discrepancy and the foul shot discrepancy. Providence was 29 of 35 from the charity stripe. UConn 27 fouls compared to 20 for Providence. And, I mean, the shooting number, I mean, when you make only five three-pointers, on 22 attempts, whereas you uh, Providence makes 8 of 18. Yeah, that's going to be another big factor. 
Jordan Hawkins leads the way, 15 points, 5 of 14 from the floor, 2 of 7 from deep, 11 each from Alex Caravan and Adama Sanogo. Caravan, 4 of 6 from the floor and 3 of 5 from behind the arc and 5 rebounds. Sanogo, 5 of 9 from the floor, 7 boards. And uh, Tristan Newton, 6 points, 5 assists in 34 minutes. Andre Jackson was limited to just 21 minutes and was just 1 of 7 from the floor. Three boards, four assists. And uh, off the bench, Donovan Klingon with a double-double. 12 points, 11 rebounds in 21 minutes. Four for four from the from the field. And then Naheem Aline had two points in 12 minutes. And then a free throw in 14 minutes from Hassan Diara. And then Joey Calcaterra. 0 of 5 from the floor. 0 of 4 from behind the arc in nine minutes. Held scoreless. So how about Providence? They are now 5-0 and in the league. Leading Xavier by a half a game. Those two teams are the only remaining unbeatens in the conference. Butler hosting DePaul. Butler led by nine at the break. Uh, Give credit to DePaul. They never went away. But Butler did enough uh, to end up pulling away to win 78-70. As Eric Hunter Jr., who has been kind of quiet. Over the past few games, he comes alive. Um, I mean, he was just, you know... I mean, he's just coming alive after a really tough stretch of games. To start Biggie's plays, he scored a combined four points in their first three conference games. But in their two wins so far, 11 against Georgetown, now 23 against DePaul. 8 of 13 from the floor and 3 of 5 from behind the arc. A dozen for Simas Lukosius. On two of seven shooting and one of three from deep. Jaden Taylor continues his surge with 16 points in 26 minutes off the bench. Four of ten from the floor and two of three from deep. Manny Bates fouled out, but he had 11 points and five boards on three of five shooting. And then uh, six points from Ali Ali in 29 minutes. Five each from Jalen Thomas and Chuck Harris. Butler, really good from the field. 45% overall, but 7 of 15 from deep, that's nearly 47%. They also got to the charity strike more, 23 of 30, compared to 10 of 13 for DePaul. And they also hold the Blue Demons to 25% from behind the arc and 45% overall. 16 to lead the way for Umoja Gibson, 8 assists, 6 of 13 from the floor, 3 of 7 from behind the arc, 14 each for Yoren A and Deshaun Nelson, Nelson with six boards in 31 minutes off the bench on six of nine shooting. Anae with four boards on six of eight shooting, 24 minutes played, and committed four fouls, and so he's in foul trouble. Philmon Gebrowit with nine points in 14 minutes off the bench. Javen Johnson fouled out and had eight points, two boards, and five assists on three of 12 shooting in 34 minutes. Six points for Erol Penn in 25 minutes, and then Jalen Terry only knocked down a three in 24 minutes. So Butler's now won back-to-back games to prove to two and three in the league. DePaul falls to one and four in conference and seven and nine overall. Shifting gears to the women's side. Tuesday night, number five, UConn visiting Butler. uh, First leg of that Cincinnapolis road trip, as I lovingly called it. UConn led 20-8 after one. Uh, Butler got some offense going in the second quarter and were down 
14 at the break, 39-25, but UConn's defense got back to basics in the third, a 25-7 margin as the Huskies cruise to an easy 80-47 win, and they were doubling up the Bulldogs at the end of three, 64-32. It's a 33-point final margin as Aaliyah Edwards scored all five starters and double figures, by the way, for the Huskies. 20 points and nine boards on 10 of 12 shooting for Edwards. 15 for Aubrey Griffin on 7 of 10 shooting, 1 of 3 from deep. 13 from Nika Mule, 4 boards, 6 assists, 5 for 11 from the floor, and 1 of 3 from deep. Uh, Lou Lopez sent a child with 11, also 1 of 3 from deep, and 5 for 11 overall. 5 assists, and uh, Dorka Juhas with a dozen on 5 of 9 shooting, 6 boards, 5 assists. I mean, UConn really distributed the ball well. 24 assists on 34 made field goals. And then Ayanna Patterson and... Her return to her home state, nine points in 15 minutes. And as a whole, UConn nearly 59% from the floor, 3 of 14 only from deep. So inside the arc, they were 31 of 44. Which is over 70%. They out-rebounded Butler 35-20 as well. And they forced 22 turnovers. Rachel McLemore with a team-high 18 for the Dogs, 7 of 12 from the floor and 4 of 8 from deep. 9 points for Shea Frederick, all from behind the arc. 7 for Tenley Dowell, 5 for Caroline Strand. Uh, the bench only had 8 points total. Trinity White with 4. Kendall Wingler knocked down a 3 in the second quarter in nineteen and played 19 minutes. And then Kelsey Taylor just a free throw in 15 minutes. 5 boards, 3 assists. And that three assists was actually a team high. So the Huskies improved to 12-2. and two. Moving on, obviously the big story, the upsets that happened on the women's side. Uh, uh, on Wednesday night specifically. Providence goes into Omaha against 25th ranked Creighton and pulls a shocking upset. And this was after they went down 24-15 after the first quarter. A big third quarter makes the difference. 24-11 margin to build a six-point lead going into the fourth at 63-57. And the Friars do enough to hold off the Jays and pull off a shocking road upset. Probably the biggest win of uh, Jim Crowley's career at Providence. And that might have been his first win over a top 25 team. I may have to dig back a little more. But considering that, I'm trying to look, they were definitely missing a starter. That's why Grace Afosa got a start. I'm trying to find out who was missing uh, from the from the starting lineup. Because I feel... Someone was definitely missing. And I just don't know who. It's killing me that I don't know. Any In any event, Grace Afosa with a career-high 27. Unexpected hero for the Friars. 12 of 17 from the floor. Meanwhile, 14 for Janae Crooms. Six boards, four assists. 13 points from Olivia Olsen on 6 of 10 shooting. A dozen for Kylie Shepard in 30 minutes. 
How about nine off the bench from from Nariah Scott in 15 minutes? Four or five from the floor, knocked down her only three-point attempt of the game. And a couple of free throws from Audrey Koch. Big reason why Providence won this game, nearly 55% from the field, 36-31 edge on the glass. And they also got to the free throw line a lot more. 13 free throws for the Friars, just six for the Blue Jays. And Providence wins this game despite only making two threes and Creighton making 16. Inside the arc, Creighton was just 11 of 30. And again, Providence just two made three-pointers. 32 of 56 inside the arc. And they also protected the ball well. Six turnovers compared to eight for Creighton. And Creighton loses despite 30 points, seven boards, and five assists from Morgan Molly. 12 of 20 from the floor and six for 10 from deep. 13 for Lauren Jensen, who fouled out. 5 for 15 from the floor, 3 of 10 from distance. 10 points, 5 boards for Emma Ronsick in 30 minutes, 3 of 8 from the floor, and 2 of 3 from deep. 9 points for Rachel Saunders, who is perfect from the floor, 3 for 3 overall, and 1 of 1 from behind the arc. Molly Mogensen with only a 3 in 30 minutes, 2 boards, 7 assists, just 1 of 9 overall. 4 points in just 4 minutes for... Kennedy Townsend, and then a three each from Keani Lockett and Jamie Horan. So a big, massive upset for a Providence team that that was their first Big East win of the season. The other big upset, coincidence, I think not, Seton Hall at Walsh Gym for the second time this season takes down the number 24 team in the country. And this time they do it in emphatic fashion as they hand St. John's their first loss 72 to 51. And it was pretty much all Pirates from the jump. Nine point lead at the break, 34 25. And they built that lead up to 22 going into the fourth, where they only gave up 37 points to the first three quarters while scoring 59 of their own. A really good all around game uh, with four players in double figures, 17 each from Sydney Cooks. To go with 12 rebounds, 7 of 16 from the floor, 2 of 5 from deep. Which, anyone could see that coming. No one saw Amari Wright dropping 17 of her own in 30 minutes. On a perfect 6 of 6 from the field. And 1 of 1 from deep. 4 of 4 from the charity stripe as well. And played really good defense in 30 minutes off the bench. Meanwhile, 15 for Lauren Park Lane to go with 5 boards and 11 assists. 7 of 15 from the floor, 1 of 4 from deep. Shea Hagens with 11 points, 5 for 7 overall, and knocked down her only 3-point attempt of the night. Maya Bembry, 8 points, 5 boards, 3 assists, 4 of 8 from the field. And then 2 each for Shaylin Pinckney and Azana Baines. And the Pirates, over 50% from the field and 45.5% from deep. And it was a pretty clean game. Only 15 total fouls. Six for the Red Storm, nine for the Pirates. And Seton Hall held St. John's to under 30% from behind the arc and 34.5% overall. 18 points to lead the way for Kadasia Bailey in their first loss. Six boards, three assists, six of 13 for the floor. Two of three from behind the arc. 
Only other player in double figures for St. John's was Jayla Everett with 11 points. Just 5 of 14 overall, 1 of 3 from behind the arc. And the rest of the starters kind of struggled. Jillian Archer, 6 points and 12 rebounds, but 2 of 5 from the field. Raven Peoples, 2 points and 9 rebounds. Mimi Reed was held scoreless in 19 minutes, only had 1 assist. And then the bench, 14 total points, 4 in just 3 minutes from Jayla Donald. And then they got a three each from Danielle Cosgrove and Unique Drake. And two points each from Danielle Patterson and Setota Hines. So not only does St. John's lose for the first time this year, they get blown out. Meanwhile, Villanova hosting Georgetown. They got down 19-14 after one, but really took over in the second and third quarters. A 47-34 to 34 margin in those quarters as they win yet again. And they improved to 13-3 uh, overall and 4-1 and one in conference with a 71-64 victory. Maddie Segrist continues to make that push to break Shelly Penafather's record. 29 points, 10 boards, played all 40 minutes and was 6-14 of 14 from the floor and 1-2 of two from deep. And the, so now what's the number at? 145 to go. Lucy Olson with 13 on 4 of 13 from the floor and 2 of 3 from deep. Maddie Burke, 4 for 9 from the floor, 3 for 8 from behind the arc, 11 points. Six each for Brooke Mullen and Bella Runyon. Each of those players got all their points from deep. Mullen, 2 of 2. Runyon, 2 for 3 and 2 for 4 overall. Four points for Christina Dalsey in 20 minutes. Nine boards, three assists, two of nine from the floor. And then um, two points in four minutes off the bench for Anahi Lee Cauley. And Villanova, both teams shot an even 50% from deep, but Nova made 10 three-pointers. Georgetown, just three. And each team had 22 free throws, but Georgetown, much worse than Villanova. Wildcats with 19 made free throws. Georgetown just 13 on the same number of attempts. Kennedy Fauntleroy leads the way with 24 points, 9 of 15 from the floor, and 1 of 2 from behind the arc. And, I mean, right now, I would venture to say she's the front runner for Big East Freshman of the Year as we speak. Kelsey Ransom, like Fauntleroy, played all 40 minutes, 12 points on 5 of 14 shooting, 9 points in 37 minutes for Christina Moore. Uh, 10 points for Jada Claude in 33 minutes. Ten, uh, 4 for 10 from the floor. Made her only made her only three-point attempt of the game. Uh, and just a rebound away from a double-double. Four points off the bench for Ariel Jenkins in 10 minutes. A three from Brianna Scott in 20 minutes. And uh, Grace Ann Bennett held to only a couple free throws and five rebounds in 17 minutes. So the Wildcats... Uh, remaining hot, and they can move themselves back into the top 25 if they win once again on Sunday, which I'll make that pick a little later on. And then Marquette hands to Paul yet another loss, and they got off to a great start, up 14 at the break, 46-32. And by that point, DePaul had had dug themselves too deep of a hole that they just couldn't climb out of. Marquette wins at Wintra, 72-63 behind 
23, a, a team high from Jordan King. Three boards, nine assists. Seven of, seven of 18 from the floor and three of six from behind the arc. 18 points, nine boards, four assists for Chloe Murata. Nine of 19 overall. Played all 40 minutes. 10 points for Emily LaChapelle. Four of 10 from the floor and two of five from deep. Eight boards. Six each off the bench for Micaiah Williams and Mackenzie Hare. Hare got all of her points from behind the arc. Williams, all of her points inside the arc and also grabbed nine rebounds. Four points for Kennedy Miles, who got the start in this game over Liza Carlin, who was out in this game. Miles, 13 minutes, two two for two from the field. And then five points for Rosen Kumu in 29 minutes. And then for DePaul, 24 points, 15 rebounds from Anissa Morrow, but just 10 of 27 overall, three for seven from behind the arc. So we're three-point shooting, did improve in this game. Anaya Peoples with 14 points, four of six from the floor, knocked down her only three-point attempt of the game. Nine each from Kendall Holmes and Darion Rogers. Uh, Holmes is three of 12 overall and just one of six from behind the arc. Rogers overall was four for 16 with eight rebounds and then six points, 10 rebounds on a perfect three for three from Jory Allen. Only one point off the bench and that was a free throw from Zaria Hurston. And then they got 29 minutes off the bench from Maeve McCurlin. And that was her only second game of the season. And again, was held, she was, so she held, was held scoreless. 0 of 3 from the floor and 0 of 2 from deep. And Marquette was 7 of 17 from behind the arc. DePaul, 5 for 18. And only shot 35%, whereas Marquette, 43%. And then, last but not least, no surprise, UConn throttles Xavier in Cincinnati. And held them to single digits in the first and third quarters. And they were up big at halftime. It was 47-16. to And they end up cruising to an easy 73-37 win. And that was despite Aaliyah Edwards getting hurt early in this game. 14 minutes played, just 4 points and 5 rebounds to go with 3 assists. Just 1 of 2 from the field. But the other players really stepped up. 19 from Aubrey Griffin to go with 9 rebounds on 4 of 9 shooting and 1 of 2 from deep. 18 points, 17 rebounds from Dorga Yuhas, 8 of 12 from the floor, 15 from Lou Lopez Senechal, 3 of 8 from deep, 3 of 8 from 2. And how about 7 points in 23 minutes off the bench from Enos Betancourt, 5 points, 6 boards, 9 assists from Nika Mule, 2 of 4 from the floor, and 1 of 3 from behind the arc. And then 3 points off the bench from Ayana Patterson, and two points in 18 minutes from Amari DeBerry. E- dominant on the glass once again. 56-27 edge. Obviously, turnovers got to fix. 22 turnovers compared to Xavier's 13. 21 assists on 25 made field goals. That's tremendous. And 6 of 18 from deep was a lot better compared to the Butler game. And they also hold Xavier to just 21.5% from the floor. 19%. From behind the arc, Taylor Smith, the only player in double figures for the Musketeers, 13 points on 5 of 15 shooting and 3 of 8 from deep. The next highest scorer was Keja Woods off the bench with 5 points in 19 minutes. 
Uh, three different players with four each, which were Nyla Blackford, Michaela Scarlett, and Anaya Harris. Harris with six rebounds, uh, Blackford with eight. But those three players combined to shoot four for 28. Scarlett was one for 11 overall and one of six from deep. Blackford two for 10, Harris one for seven. And then they got three points from Shelby Calhoun in 24 minutes. And then two points each from their big, uh, you know, their big bigs, uh, Courtney Pranger and Megan Harkey. Pranger played 27 minutes, Harkey just eight minutes. So Xavier remains winless in conference play. They're now 0-6 in the conference after starting seven and t- after going seven and two in non-conference play. Whereas UConn, they remain unbeaten. They are now the only unbeaten team remaining in Big East play with a record of 6-0. If I have that information correctly, and yep, that is correct. Wait, I, I almost looked at the wrong one. That's completely on me, so I'm just double-checking. Da-da-da-da-da. UConn is 6-0 in conference. That's what I thought. All right, so now after that brain fart, without further ado, let's get into these weekend picks. So, five men's games Saturday, five women's games Sunday. Let's start with arguably the the game that's easily making... Let's put it this way. It's the game that is probably the most appealing. Creighton at number four UConn. Can the Huskies snap their two-game losing streak after starting 14-0? Creighton, winners of three straight. And also a team that hasn't lost to UConn, hasn't lost to UConn yet. 5-0 against the Huskies. But something to look out for. The Huskies, since fans have been allowed back in the building, in Big East play, I think, and that includes overall, they have yet to lose in Gamble with fans in the building. They lost twice at Gamble during the COVID season of 2021. Actually, no, three times. One of those to Creighton. And the other two losses was when James Booknight was out. Is it enticing to pick Creighton in this game? Given the track record and given UConn sliding, yeah. Am I going to go for it? You know what? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go for it. Why not at this rate? So give me Creighton winning on the road against number four UConn. I I, I think the big thing is Ryan Kalkbrenner seems like he's back to normal. I mean, he turned into a, another... Once again, he, he's back to a shot-blocking menace. I mean, six block shots against Seton Hall. Granted, it's Seton Hall and not UConn, where he's got to go up against Adama Sanogo. But... I don't know. I just... I just like... I just like the trend in this game. I'm going to take Creighton. Winning at Gamble. Now, the next four games are all on FS1. Providence hosting St. John's. 
Well, they get to 6-0 in the Big East. I think, to me, it's not even a... It goes without question. I'm taking the Friars over the Johnnies. 2 o'clock at FS, on FS1. I mean, come on. Dare I even make an analysis on this game? Marquette's beating Georgetown. With ease. 4.30 on FS1. 18th ranked Xavier visiting Villanova coming off the bye. I mean, so here's something encouraging. Justin Moore is practicing now with full contact. So maybe my prediction might actually come true regarding him coming back MLK Day against Georgetown. It would be awesome if it came true. But will it? Eh, I don't know. I'm hoping it does because I'll look like the smartest man on the face of the planet. But Xavier has never won at Villanova. But times have changed. Sean Miller is now at the helm. And Kyle Neptune at Villanova clearly is like... I don't even know how to say this because I don't want this to come off wrong. He's clearly light years behind Jay Wright. I mean, maybe he'll get there, but right now, I mean, this is a struggle bus for Nova. I know they're coming off a win over Georgetown, but now it's a it's going to be a tough adjustment getting Xavier now at the Finn. The Finn is a tough place to play, absolutely. But Villanova seems more vincible than ever before. And Xavier, they're not afraid. And you know what? Xavier's going to beat Nova on the road for the first time ever. And then at 8.30 on FS1, Seton Hall hosting Butler. The Pirates have, after losing their first four games to Butler in Big East play at, in Newark, they have now won five in a row over the Bulldogs in Jersey. And you know what? Make it six. Butler will keep it competitive, but I think Seton Hall, knowing the stretch that they're on, where they have Butler at home, at Georgetown, and at DePaul, they're going to see this as a ripe opportunity to get themselves back to 500 in the league after starting off one and four. They win the next three. They're four and four in conference. And that's going to make up a lot of ground. Granted, you're still going to have a lot of games left because you're only playing, what, 40% of the schedule at that point. But I think Seton Hall is going to seize this opportunity with step one of three as they take down the Bulldogs at home. Now, Sunday, Seton Hall at Providence at 1 o'clock at Alumni Hall. Listen, both of these teams coming off massive upsets over ranked opponents, right? But Seton Hall is much hotter compared to Providence. I feel like that upset might be one of those things where it's it's a flash in the pan. Seton Hall's been more consistent. Winners of 10 of their last 11. I'm going to take the Pirates winning over Providence. But Providence, they're going to have a lot more swagger coming into this game. And they're going to keep it a lot closer than a lot of people think. Well, at least on the surface. Like, now that Providence knows that they can handle teams of that caliber, they're going to come in with a lot more confidence going into this game against Seton Hall. But again, I have the Pirates winning. 
Now, number five, UConn hosting DePaul. I mean, DePaul sliding. Now that they've actually faced some competent competition in the Big East, and UConn clearly is the cream of the crop in the league, UConn wins easily at Gamble. Now, at 2 o'clock, St. John's hosting Xavier, looking to bounce back after that jarring upset loss on the road to end their perfect season. St. John's will bounce back against this winless in Big East play, Xavier team. Now, Villanova hosting Butler. I think this goes without question. Villanova will win this game uh, rather easily over the Bulldogs. And then Marquette at Creighton. I mean, after losing on their home court, to an unranked Providence team. Marquette, they definitely have some confidence now after, again, that three-game losing streak. They go into Chicago and win. Honestly, what's going to stop them from going into Omaha and winning this game too? Ugh, like... Part of me... I mean, this is a toss-up because both teams are at a crossroads almost in their season, whereas... You know, Creighton, after that 7-0 start, they have lost five of their last seven. I just think it's going to be harder for Marquette to win if Liza Carlin is still unavailable. But in any event, You know, I'm still on the fence. I'm teetering and I guess tottering, even though that's going to give me PTSD because, fun fact about me, I have a nasty-ass scar on the back of my head, well, in the back of my head, from getting whacked in the head by a teeter-totter when I was like four. If you want to see it, just just ask me on Twitter. I'll be more than happy to show it. Might be a little tougher with more hair on my head, but I'm trying to get a haircut soon because this is itching the hell out of me. But anyway, by the way, you should watch this game. By the way, obviously UConn's going to be on SNY, but Marquette Creighton is on CBS Sports Network. So it's a great matchup too. After a lot of deliberation... I'm picking Marquette on the road. Final answer, Regis. I mean, could it backfire on me? Probably. But hey, even if it's not a good pick, sometimes you got to stand by it. Kind of like with picking Georgetown on the men's side last week. Oh, well. Oh, well. So, that's going to do it on this edition of the Igloo. Probably going to have a new episode. Probably Monday. I'm probably going to try to stick to that Monday, Friday format a lot more, a lot better than I have been. So again, new episode, make sure to look for it. It will be out sometime on Monday. So thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you next time for another great edition of the Igloo.